Welcome to the Sales Hacks Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. In this CPSA podcast, we chat with Neil Ryland, CRO at Pekin. As part of his role at Pekin, Neil has helped to build revenue teams from the ground up, with Pekin now operating out of five offices globally, covering North America, Europe and APEC. Neil has experienced the challenges of growing teams and managing remotely and gets how important employee engagement is to creating sustainable growth and how little data you have as a management team to guide you. Neil has been instrumental in bringing the enterprise real-time data on the people and culture in the organization to enable informed decision-making and proactive people management. And we're going to be investigating some of these wonderful skills uh, in the context of how we can use them in 2019 with Neil today. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com and remember to subscribe to the cpsa podcast through itunes google play and more neil welcome to the show cool hi bill great to be back and uh, thanks for the kind intro as always so firstly uh, beyond my wee intro there uh, please take 30 seconds for a minute to introduce yourself and tell tell our listeners about your role at pecan yeah sure so uh, i'm neil i'm the chief revenue officer here at pecan um have 15 years kind of sales and SaaS experience. So prior to us with a UK startup huddle that we also took kind of global and in, into the States. And primarily my, my role is to lead the commercial teams and the go-to-market strategy for Pecon. But kind of when I when I break that down, finally, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to build a successful and winning culture that's focused on helping all my team to reach their full potential um, and to build a customer base that absolutely loves working with Pecon. Okay. So as, as a, leader of sales focused professionals what, what was the most impactful lesson you'd learned from 2018 and how do you plan to implement that lesson this year professionally for me um having you know gone through a big scaling process this year as you mentioned kind of five regions i think we kind of use this term like a buddy you know when you start in a new company and i think one of the things that we learned pretty quickly was the power of building a proper buddy program and that actually means something to the person that's the buddy versus the, the person that joins obviously benefits from it. But what's the benefit for the buddy and how do you drive that? Now, we have kind of a culture in our business of like we win and lose as a team mentality. Uh, and yet, I would say, ironically, one of the things we missed out on was on that on that buddy program. So one of the things for me professionally is we build out like a proper program now for what it means to be a buddy. We build it into the career planning. So unless you've been a, a buddy and you've been part of the shared success of helping someone to on board into into Pecon and um, to feel like hey this is their new happy home they feel productive and they're also obviously you know delivering for the organization while we hired them um you know it, that's a key part for them now to being able to succeed in the business so that that's something we want to now I suppose, formalize and implement uh, as a kind of kind of a career planning opportunity for people in the company uh, as well as making sure all our new starters have a great experience uh, and then I thought it was just noting like I think personally, one of the most impactful lessons I learned uh, this year from my mentors was every single week, just taking an hour out to do the network. 
Um, so we have like a one hour network rule now. So whether that's meeting your mentor, whether it's meeting industry expert, experts, going to kind of the, you know, the, the tech startup meetups, whatever it might be, coffee meetings with a customer to learn new process, new ideas. But taking this kind of one hour out of the, you know, 40 that we have every single week. And for those of us that work in startups, it's probably significantly more. But that one hour a week really helps you to make sure every single week you feel that you've got better than what you were last week from uh, meeting external people. Okay, thank you very much. Now, uh, as you know, Neil, the, the role of the sales professional has changed dramatically in, in the last sort of five to 10 years with the onset of uh, lots of amazing new AI field, often technologies, uh, meaning that a modern salesperson actually has some roles and responsibilities similar to that of a marketing person. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time now and just sort of chat a little bit about that marketing and sales relationship. Firstly, what are your predictions for the role of the senior sales focus pros in 2019 in terms of closing that gap between sales and marketing functions even more? Definitely. I feel pretty lucky that one of the things I think we got right very early at Pecon is we, we call it the sales and marketing team so there, although there are separate leaders it's always presented as one team and I think that's a fundamental shift that organizations need to make around whether you do all hands company updates your board updates you update them as one and that alignment from a top level then filters down through the organization I still think people kind of go, yeah we want to connect them but they connect in very ad hoc ways then versus being able to connect it right at the top of the organization um, one of the ways that you know we've continued to advance that model and what I think will be a big focus in 2019 is the hiring of like the, the customer lifecycle role. So it, it kind of flows sometimes it used to be called like a growth hacker maybe that was primarily focused on like smart ways at the top of the funnel to drive activity. Um, but we now have someone that heads up the customer lifecycle. Um, and I think the shift is that we often see marketing at the top of the funnel and then sales at the bottom of the funnel. Um, but actually building joint ownership on this through someone that owns the process uh, and can oversee the process right from the start. I, where do your where do your future customers come from? You know, across all the channels, what's their experience like as they go through a sales process? But then also just as importantly, once they've signed on the dotted line and being deployed, how do you help that customer get the most out of the technology so they help uh, go back to the top of funnel and help you to feed your next few leads in through referrals, the case studies, the customer recognition programs, etc. Um, I think, you know, tactically outside of the alignment and hiring, you know, we, we have universal metrics for both teams. Um, we have the uh, cross team function underneath. So we have what's called our revenue team, which is made up of like our sales ops individuals. It's made up of the customer lifecycle manager. It has the sales directors from the regions. They, they run and operate as one function, one team that provides marketing enablement, that provides sales enablement, that provides customer success enablement. And I think that's a trend that will you know, people need to execute on and I see uh, you know, being very, very prevalent in 2019 and beyond. Okay, so social listening, sentiment analysis, predictive analytics, personalization, optimization of the customer journey, these have all been offered in as a service model for, for quite some time now, uh, which makes these services more affordable and uh, accelerates the adoption for, for sales teams. Do, do you think AI as a service and experience as a service will be useful for marketers and salespeople in 2019 and beyond? Yeah, I, I think 100%. I think salespeople who don't experiment and test sales tools are kind of cruising towards extinction. Um, you know, I think a lot of sellers are, are, are very much woefully behind like social sales curves and they're not catching up. It's a bit like, like you know, Moore's Law, the pace at which technology is changing is doubling, which means the speed at which you can come extinct is increasing. 
Um, and therefore, I think people need to be far more open to, you know, how do they continue to drive efficiencies through automation and through technologies uh, in their sales and marketing programs. I don't think it replaces the human touch. I think the counter kind of balance we see to this is the the kind of hyper-personalization messaging. So I, where I see the, the biggest driver and where we can use AI is how do we get in front of the right prospect at the right time, you know, and therefore that will optimize, you know, the amount of people that you have within the organization, optimize the amount of time that they spend you know, chasing and spend time doing the wrong things but also increases the speed at which you learn of how to identify your ideal customer profile by using these kind of tools and technology. So rather than the basics of your LinkedIn, people that are trained up on like Hootsuite, there's some kind of cooler technologies that are helping to map relationships like Comico, uh, which is good at predicting where where risks are and deals that sit in your funnel and and where the risk is if you're not covering certain markets. But I think, yeah, it definitely has a, a huge opportunity. And then so it's more onto like the outsourcing of the, the actual sales process. So there's companies that I've supported or, or mentor and work with that are outsourcing a lot of like the kind of the calling process to other regions of the world. And when someone picks up the phone, does it, does it kind of flick over to them to speak? So I, I think there's lots of smart ways that you can drive these efficiencies. But I always counter it with, you know, what is, what is the market you're trying to sell to? You know, if you're trying to sell to the enterprise and your town is only up, up you know, 150, 200 customers, hyper-personalization and people buying into the individuals um, is very, very important. If you have a much wider TAM, then there's definitely smarter ways of being able to get in front of these people without having to hire an army of, you know, salespeople and marketeers to, to get your product out to market. Uh, what are your predictions then? Um, and also observations from the last year or two for, for the role of chatbots and AI conversations influencing sales journeys in the next year to two years i can kind of give the example of um yeah for us we we use targeted kind of chatbots to help us with the qualification process you know the whole the whole idea is that when people kind of come onto your website whatever we want to find a way that we can quickly put you into the the most relevant for you as a customer you know if you want to understand more about the pricing how do we get you that information if you're interested in some of the stuff that's going on in the market how do we filter that to you in a very relevant personalized and real-time way and for me that's where the role of like chatbots can drive a lot of efficiencies into the process without impacting the, the customer experience you know some of the tools we use around like intercom for example has been game-changing for the way that pecon drives high quality uh, leads into our sales funnel but actually also more importantly, how it delivers an excellent experience for the customer. You know, customers don't want to have to go through 10 questions from a salesperson when either the salesperson should already know that or the customer already kind of knows what they're looking for because the Internet's replaced, you know, when sales guys used to just like educate everyone on you know, all the possible things and send information. The Internet's now there to self-serve. What they want to be able to come through is get the bits that they can't find very, very quickly by speaking to a sales professional. And for me, chatbots aid a lot of that. Uh, welcome qualification and then we also use them to support part of our our process on supporting individuals i always look at like support is kind of like your three tiers of like you know that i forgot my password level you know where there's no reason why you can automate that to be efficient for the customer um, but still feel personalized and they're looked after and then when you need the individual interactions at the top end which is more you know change management consultancy deployment whatever your kind of product or process is that's where you want to utilize, you know, your your individuals and the, the people that you have within your organization. So I can see a continued trend on those two kind of tracks for, for companies using chatbots and AI type conversations. 
So the Canadian Professional Sales Association partnered with the Government of Canada back in October and is now offering um, extra designations and lots of new ways to help enable salespeople and educate and, and train sales-focused pros. What, what are some of your predictions, Neil, uh, for the state of sales enablement and revenue management for 2019? Yeah, I mean, I do think we'll see a lot more AI and machine learning into CRMs. I think in particular for sales and, and revenue management, it has a an ideal fit because it can play to, you know, if you think about typical questions that are kind of asked across sales floors around like, you know, what customers do we work with in this industry or like, you know, who's ever swapped out this competitor before? I, you know, I, I've stuck at this deal stage. How do I move it forward? All of these things, you know, if you have best practice across your company, you should be able to find a way to use AI machine learning to drive faster results off the back of it from sales forcing, sales, uh, sales forecasting, sorry, email personalization, lead management, customer service, you know, all of these things for me will help to drive sales efficiency. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges that any scaling company has is building out an onboarding program. You know, if you're if you're started in, in, in Toronto, if you're started in New York and you want to scale to Europe, you know, how do you take all those best practices, all those skills that you know work successfully and drop them and plant them into a new region? If you can find ways to use technology to drive efficiencies there, for me, that's the bit that will be game changing for sales enablement uh, in 2019. Okay, and you touched upon it just there. It is all about your people. So uh, at at Pecon, how how are you guys working to to achieve a culture balance? And what sort of percentage of that is driven by the application of technology, reporting tolls and coaching? Now, (laughs) as it's Pecon, um, I'm, I'm suspecting it's pretty high. Yeah, we're, we're a very data-driven company, albeit we have a, a view which is, you know, it's not just about the data, it's about the insights. You know, and data should be used to then inform your gut off the back of it. And I think we are, from all the buzzwords being used around big data and everything's going to be data-driven decisions, you can get to a point where you have so much data that you don't know what to do. So one of the things that we challenge at Pecon, and we kind of have our three, our three kind of key areas that we would look at, you know, we Pecon is for our people. You know, we then have our, our financial management system that you know, tells us how are we doing, like what, what's the state of play. And then we have Salesforce for our forward looking view. And we use the data across all three of those sections to help us make the right decisions for our customers and, and for the organization. But we always challenge the why that sits behind the data. And I think you know, what data gives you is it often kind of gives you the what, but not the why. And that's where you need the people to still help. You know, how do you interpret the data to actually get it to move in the direction you want it to? But obviously, if you don't have the data, then you're you're kind of making blind decisions, which is which is dangerous. So, you know, we are. We, I would say we are very high on all our decisions from from all those three areas and using data. But we're still very, very much a people-driven organization for doing the right thing. Um, and it's like to give that kind of some some character. I think one of the, the obvious ones, come back to my own sales and marketing, is the conversation around like pipeline coverage. You know, now if you just took data around like your pipeline coverage as the metric, you could very easily look at that headline data and go, hey, we've got X4 coverage. But one of the things we then dive into using data is what's the risk on volume? If your pipeline coverage is made up of three deals, you know, and you have a win rate of like 25%, maybe you're not going to hit your quota. Um, so then you need to look deeper into it around like, you know, do you have coverage by region, by market tier, by individual? Where are those blockers versus just taking a headline view of, hey, we have pipeline coverage. So I think sometimes people can... Um, get data prowless or, or they're not pushing hard enough to understand the why that sits underneath it okay so obviously you guys are doing a wonderful job over at pecom but uh not not all companies are getting it right so 
what, what have you seen? What, what have you experienced in terms of the major pain points for, for some sales driven companies in terms of leveraging pragmatic technologies for their own benefits? Uh, I, I think one of these is so easy now to buy to buy technology. Um, I think there's two things that I've seen kind of come up or my kind of observations on it. One is, you know, we have to be so careful around compliance these days. You know, everyone knows or every company's kind of gone through the, the pain of like the, the GDPR transformation. So one of the things is being very conscious of the use of, of, of any kind of tooling that you can just buy online if you're collecting and analyzing, you know, other people's information and data. Um, I think the other part to that then is naturally you end up with like tech sprawl. Uh, and if you have across your organization an unstructured way of bringing new technologies into the business, you can very end up driving a lot of inefficiencies across your company. So, you know, being able to bucket, like what are the things you're trying to accomplish? So that's around the sales enablement. Okay, what's our process for onboarding? You know, once we've onboarded people, what's our process for like how we move people through the funnel? And then once they're a customer, what's the process there? And then map the technologies against the problems that you're trying to solve and have ownership on each one. Now, I look back and one of the best things that we did at Pecom was we hired someone to kind of run sales ops at quite an early stage. You know, before we had lots and lots of salespeople and the pain was experienced, we actually did it early, which meant that we were able to still drive innovation, but support enterprise customers quickly because we weren't constantly, you know, having these kind of lots of different tech processes being brought in and going through the pains of it. We tried to do it in a structured, innovative way, um, if that makes sense. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that people face is it's, it's too easy for every single person in the business now to get online with a credit card and bring tech into, into your tech stack. I agree. Now, Neil, as you know, uh, we, are, we are living in the future. We are four years past Back to the Future too. So we are so <laughs> far in the future. It's, it's crazy. And uh, as it is 2019, um, we're now seeing the next generation. So a lot of focus has been given in recent years to managing and developing millennials. But the next generation, the Gen Z, some people call them the centennials from around 1995 on, onwards, they're, they're now entering the workplace. As a leader of, of Sales Focus Pros, what, if anything, do you think should sales leaders do to prepare prayer for this latest generation of salespeople does it differ from initiatives used to develop millennials or is it way too early to tell yes yeah, it's, def- it's definitely making me feel old when we put the numbers on it like that. Um, <laughs> I, my kind of view is that i think it's a little bit too early to if there's any fundamental kind of difference um between the, the gens and i think previously we've spoke i've kind of spoken on my view on this which is like my my parents knew the value of having a job um, and what it provided for them and then I feel like my generation knew the value of hard work because there were so many more opportunities for for us through explosions in technology through cheap aviation um, or cheaper aviation um, and then what um, I see from millennials and, and the, the gen z's that we now have in our, our company that are coming into work is that they understand the value of their time more um, and they they want to stand for something and I don't think that that's, that's a bad thing. I think actually it's made the world a better place because of it. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a manager that can build rules of engagement. But I just think one of the big differences is everything needs to be fair and inclusive. And I don't think that anyone in any one of those generations wouldn't agree with that. It's just I think the, gen- the generations of millennials and Gen Z have helped to bring that as a priority for how we make you know, organizations better to work in, therefore more productive. Um, and I think if I would say one of the things to prepare for it is transparency is no longer a buzzword it's not something you just put as a value on your website transparency is an action it means something 
Um, and then there are lots of things that you can feed off the back of that, whether it's through hack days, whether it's the way that you run your sales meetings, whether it's the use of tools like Pecon to get feedback, whatever that might be. I'd say that's one of the things to help prepare is what does transparency actually mean in your business and how do you action it? Um, because that would definitely be an expectation of people that are coming into the into the workforce today. And we're very lucky to work with one of the largest PR firms in the world. And one of the studies they kind of round with all the brands they're working with on hiring is that like over 67% of the people that now join companies, they join a company based on what it stands for. Like generally, what are the values of that organization? Which is a huge shift um, from probably when I look at the previous generations and kind of my analogy on it. Then they're probably some of the key things that you need to think through as, as hiring managers around where do you sit on those topics. All right. We are coming to the end of this interview already. So one last question for you. I'd love for you to share how our listeners can connect with you and how they can check out Pecon, what Pecon stands for and, and what it offers. Yeah, of course. Well, I'd be very helpful. So I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm just at NRyland. I'm also on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, but in, in terms of, of Pecon, we're super passionate and our, our mission is around how do we help everyone to to reach their full potential but build a company they want to work for so as a sales leader if you want to break it down no one wants to lose their top performers so what if you can have a proactive view and insights into how they're feeling you know you wouldn't run a forecast at the start of the year and then not look at it again until the following year and yet most of the time when we take feedback formally whether it's an annual review or an annual engagement survey that's really how we run it and we want to transform that so you have a more real-time view on your on your people to drive a world-class sales culture. Awesome. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Neil Ryland, CRO at Pecon. Thank you very much for being a guest on this CPSA podcast. My pleasure. Thanks as always, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy selling. Thank you for listening to the Sales Hacks Show. Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.